This is Olga Kirschenbaum with nine minutes of Creative Wisdom Podcast, where creatives share their wisdom. It is six questions in nine minutes because creatives have a short attention span. So let's get to it. In a few sentences, tell me who you are and what you do. Uh, my name is Scott Aaron from originally Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, but now in Marlton, New Jersey, which is about uh, 70 miles south of New York City. And I am a business coach and a business consultant uh, teaching the art of human connection to entrepreneurs, network marketers, business owners, anyone that really has a business built around other human beings. And I have leveraged that and now teach it on the platform of LinkedIn. Love that. So what is your favorite part about being a creative leader? That uh, ideas are free. So my business was actually created uh, out of a, just an idea. And it's something that I learned in The Strangest Secret by Earl Nightingale, who was the mentor to Bob Proctor, who a lot of people are familiar with. And what, what Earl went on to say is that, you know, if you want to create a business, just write down three ideas on a note card every day and do it for a whole year. Something will stick and it will turn into a business. And I was actually in the midst of, of growing a business when this current one was created. I was feeling the need for connecting with other human beings. And I, I was really feeling disconnected from what yeah. I was doing on Facebook and Instagram. And I remembered I had a LinkedIn profile, but was doing nothing with it. But were, remembered something that one of my mentors said to me, which is, you need to look yourself in the mirror and you have to ask yourself, how am I going to connect with myself today? And it was one of those light bulb moments. And I'm like, okay, the person that I'm looking for, the business-minded person, they're not on Facebook or Instagram, they're on LinkedIn. So I dove in and in the process created a system. And my background was in health and wellness. So I owned gyms and I used to be a personal trainer and sports nutritionist. So I was used to being very structured in my own daily routine, but also teaching structure to my clients. So all I did was put structure around what I was doing on LinkedIn, how I was doing it, and the results that I was getting. And out of that was born a consulting practice where I now teach others. And that's what I love most about being a creative is we're never complacent. We're always thinking of ways of what else can we create or implement that can impact and help other people. Because the one of the core foundations of a creative is to solve problems it's it's our job to create something that solves the problem that a lot of people have and basically impact that individual or that groups of of persons lives to make them better love that that's really beautiful thank you so i speak to a lot of creatives who will avoid the money side of business they will pretty much do anything to avoid it what are your thoughts on that? I love money. So that's not a m money makes everything happen. It not only gives you the financial flexibility to invest back into your business. Last year alone, I probably invested close to $75,000 into my business and it's gone up every year. So my investments continue to increase. So I don't see money as an expense. I see money as a vehicle to create more money. And 
again, I think this is, this comes back to something that you and I were talking about in the pre-show that it's, it's everyone's dialogue with money or how they were raised with money. If they grew up in a household where the family was living paycheck to paycheck or struggling quote unquote to just get by, those are core foundations that basically have been now imprinted into that person's DNA and they're going to recreate unconsciously what they were taught growing up to just get by. And for me, I grew up in an entrepreneurial um, environment. My, my father was an entrepreneur. My, my grandfather uh, is, is, was an entrepreneur until he retired. My great-grandfather actually fled from Eastern Europe and he became a butcher in South Philadelphia in the early 1900s and he was an entrepreneur. So it's in my DNA. So I don't see money as evil. I don't see money as dirty. I don't see it as it grows on trees, but we create money. And I call it the, you, you have to keep the flow of money going. Do you want to know the secret to preventing a recession or a depression? And the answer is you continue the flow of money. You continue to spend. You continue to invest. Don't think of the money going out. Even when I'm paying my mortgage or my bills, I don't see that as paying a bill. I see that as investing back into something that I purchased, which was my home. And those are just the operating things that need to get put back into it to make it go. So what your belief and what your relationship with money is will define exactly the life that you're going to create. So if you, the relationship that you have with money is abundant, is prosperous, is never ending, then you're going to create just that. But if that mindset of money is of lack or just getting by or living paycheck to paycheck or being in debt or racking up credit cards, whatever it is, then you're going to refacilitate that as well. That is super powerful. And for anyone listening, um, there is a tip that you can start doing to try to work on that abundant mindset, especially if you do come from a, um, a, scare, a scarcity mindset. Uh, whenever you do have something to pay, even if it's a mortgage, if it is your rent, say thank you. And that will begin that cycle of the flow of money. Um, that is a tip I picked up from Ken Honda. <laughs> you, you actually brought up a, a, a really, a really powerful thing. So I was at a, I was in a mastermind last year and Molly Pittman, who's a, an amazing online marketer came to speak. And she said that, you know, when, when you start to, to make half a million dollars a year on up, that's a pretty hefty qu quarterly tax payment. And she said what she started doing is instead of, instead of being upset that she had to pay her quarterly taxes, every time she made that quarterly tax payment and she wrote out a five-figure check to the government, her and her husband actually went out to have a celebratory dinner yeah. because that, that actually meant that they were succeeding. So that's what I turned on. I actually started celebrating my quarterly tax payments because they've never been larger and that just means that I'm doing that much better in my business. So don't see it as a, an expense. Again, celebrate that victory. Celebrate that you actually have to give the government so much money every quarter because your business is flourishing that much better. Absolutely. Beautiful. So who are the creatives that you admire or have inspired you on your journey? There's a lot. My, <laughs> my wife inspires me every single day. She's just an incredible human being. She went from 
working in corporate, uh, you know, working for two Fortune 50 companies, managing teams of hundreds to now running her own organization, us having a business together. And, and she always had that entrepreneur spirit about, about her. But, you know, literally just putting her two weeks notice when she had a, a, a six-figure income coming in to just give that up to have more work-life balance and start okay. what she's starting. It's just been incredible to watch. But from a, you know, from a high level, I would say there, there's two individuals that I, I, I always come back to. One is Robin Sharma, who I just love his, his principles on, on leadership and how he really is very intentional with not only the blocks of time that he works, but how, intent, how, how the attention to detail of his day is structured. And I'm, mm. I am very detail-oriented with my day. We were also talking about this in the pre-show that I do no business before 10 a.m., nothing. You can try to get on my calendar, it's not going to happen. That, yeah. is, that is my Menlo Park, as, as Robin Sharma says. That is my sanctuary time. The other one is Simon Sinek, who, who got his big break probably about six or seven years ago when he, you know, the book, Start With, Start With Why, and his yeah. big TED Talk. Simon's view on the law of inclusion and, and connection and being creative, but also building an environment and a culture is just genius. And that's something that's always driven me is when, even when I had my gyms, creating a, a family feel because we were a family business. And, you know, the first gym was myself, my mom, and my dad. When my parents split up, it was just myself, my father, and my cousin. But there was always a family feel. And, and you know, people used to call our gym the cheers of gyms. And that, it wasn't the fanciest. It wasn't the nicest. It wasn't the biggest. It just felt the best. And, and I think that's what I love about both of those two human beings amongst many others. The leadership aspect, but the, the, the people aspect is the, the culture that you create, the environment that you're a part of is mm. everything to me. Inspiring. Thank you. Absolutely. So what is the one piece of wisdom or advice that other creative leaders should know? That your failures will always open the doors to your successes. I think everyone strives for success but they don't understand fully that they need to fail first and how to get there. And this was something that I learned in one of the, one of the greatest books I ever read, which is called Go For No by Andrea Waltz and Richard Fenton. Uh, Andrea has become a good friend of mine. She was on my podcast. We've done some recordings together. And just on the cover of the book, it says yes is the destination, but no is how you'll get there. So yeah. you have to fail in order to succeed. And I live by something called the failure quotient. You know, my failure quotient has to be astronomically high at all times because the higher and the faster that I fail, the faster I'm going to learn how to succeed. And I think this is a concept that a lot of people, they need to just close their eyes and re-listen to this and kind of sit with it because it's the truth. Everybody wants to succeed. Everybody wants to hit a home run. But you know what? Even the best miss shots. Even the best will strike out. Even the best football players will fumble. Everyone fails at some point in their career, but you know what? You learn from those mistakes. You grow from those mistakes, and that's how the successes end up following because you think about what 
chefs have to go through. Yeah. Perfecting those, re- do you think they just sat there and like, <laughs> well, here's the dish, it's done. Do you know how many taste tests they had to do where it was too salty, it was too sweet, it didn't have enough pepper, it had too much pepper. It is always about perfecting the process by mm. being perfectly imperfect. That's what it's all about. And it's failing forward, learning from those mistakes, because now you're building a, a roadway. Now you're building a route in order from how to succeed. Then when you start to fall in love with failure, it doesn't bother you anymore because you know you're one step closer to success. And that's the one thing that creatives always need to realize. Powerful. So now the most important question of the podcast, Kakaya Vasha Lubima Musica or in English, what's your favorite music? So, so a lot of, for people that like see me now, they would never guess this about me. I mean, I grew up in a, a household of 70s funk. So uh, Earth, Wind & Fire is my, my family's anthem band. Like my sister, I mean, I still, there's not a week that goes by that I don't listen to a little bit of Earth, Wind & Fire. My my dad, you know, grew us up on, uh, you know, the OJ's and Parliament Funkadelic and and War and Tower of Power, all these amazing funk bands from the seventies. But I also love classic rock and roll. Uh, you know, I love ACDC. I, I love all music. But my big passion and hobby was actually a a, a band called Fish. I when uh, when I I was. I was a big hippie. When I had hair, I had a really big Jufro and literally looked like Sideshow Bob from The Simpsons. Love it. A little bit, little bit. It's, it, <laughs> it was like, I mean, I find my dad had an Afro back in the day and then I basically just duplicated it in the, uh, in the 90s. And I literally, I mean, it was a culture. It was a family. And I saw close to 90 shows. I, I used to drive all around the country with my best friend, Alex. And we used to just, caravan and camp out and I, I still listen to fish all the time it's it's funny I, I tried to get my wife into it and she's like I don't understand this they're singing about <laughs> they're singing about having hands and feet full of mangoes and they're singing about tweezers and I just I don't get it but I have a very diverse musical background so family-wise earth wind and fire and 70s funk but personally uh, fish will always have a, a, a very meaningful place in my heart Fantastic. So thank you, Scott, for being on. What is the best way for the listeners to get in touch with you? So my website, www.scotterron.net, that's two T's, two A's, but I'm also very omnipresent on social media. You can find me on LinkedIn and Facebook under Scott Aaron, or my handle on Instagram is at Scott Aaron LinkedIn and would love to connect with you. Awesome. This is Olga Kirschenbaum with nine minutes of Creative Wisdom Podcast, where creatives share their wisdom. Make sure you check out my blog at ragstorichesconsulting.com to get money insights you haven't heard before.